In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about a charming pirate. Suddenly another fairy? Kissing everyone? And thinking of the well-being of your library books. What? In our discussion of Dead as a Doornail by Charlene Harris. Why did that even happen? Where did it come from? And why did we do it a hundred thousand times? I have no idea, but it was a lot. Yeah, we latched onto it. Don't try to be serious. Either one of us, it's a bad idea. (laughs) Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire, and today we're going to discuss Dead as a Doornail by Charlene Harris. We're broken. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Everything's fine. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this, point, pretend you have. Or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Did you understand any of that? I felt like I was... I did, but it's one of those where I know what you're going to say, so I think I just filled in the Yeah, probably. Do you know what? I didn't say this time, though. Or watched True Blood, because it... Nope. It's not the same anymore. Nope. In this point in True Blood, spoilers, do we have how how Lilith and Bill Lilith? I don't think Lilith? we have Billith yet. We don't have Billith I don't think yet. we have Billith yet. God, that was stupid. Yeah, it was. I blocked it out. Just I've blocked it out. I don't know. Stupid. Maybe we do have it and I know. It's too traumatic. I've blocked it out. <laughs> this is a nice vampire show there's boobies and blood and what yeah what is <sighs> you've lost me what now. is this where's my tiger man where is my tiger man do you know where he is amanda in this book he is in this book he which is. i'm going to jump ahead and say my initial thoughts are he's he's here yay <laughs> so excited and now we're going to jump back for background information. Yes. So the background info I found this time is from an interview with brightestyoungthings.com. And Charlene Harris is asked, if you were in a Sookie novel, what supernatural creature would you be? And you think it's going to be a really stellar answer? <laughs> but it's not. Her response is, I wouldn't be a supernatural creature. I just like being human. But then that made me think this would be a fun thing to talk about. And I want to know what you would want to be other than a vampire. Oh, my God, because we always say vampire and vampires first. No question. Nobody doubts that. Then what? Vampire or die. Um, hmm. Hmm. Stroke of the chin, as I think. Hmm. I wouldn't want to be aware because that's too restrictive. Okay. Just one creature. So shifter is interesting because then you could shift into anything. Yes. Yeah. 
Off the top of my head, I'm thinking Shifter. Yeah. But then I kind of think, oh, what, the, like the Niad or something. You could be absolutely anything. Okay. Just because it hasn't been in the book doesn't mean you can't be it. Yeah, because it probably exists. It will somewhere. I'm going to say Shifter just for ease. From what we've read in the books and what we've seen in the show, I'll say Shifter. Yeah. What about you? I also like the idea of Shifter, but then... I mean, everyone knows how much I love Jason as a panther man. And so then I think, well, what if I was like some sort of half something like that? What if I were a panther man or a tiger man or a wolf man or something like that? The fictional hangover where I encrypted. Yes. What if... You know, I never resurrected that. We talked about it like six months ago, resurrecting. <laughs> hey, I resurrect that every year for Gish. I know. Every Gish, I make sure the fictional hangover where Merlion. Did. The Merlion. The Merlion. The Merlion, the body of a lion and the head of a fish is included. <laughs> In Gish in some way. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of Gish, it's um, it's getting close to time to register. I believe registration might have opened already. So if anyone's interested right. in joining us for Gish, the greatest international scavenger hunt, it's super fun. It's worldwide. It's for a good cause. It's usually the last week of July. Or first, first week, of, week August. of August. Yeah. Floating around that half and half time. But it's a lot of fun. Ask us about it on social media. We'll tell you all about it. And it's a good time. And then we'll force you to join because it is so much fun. Yes. All right. It is Saturday the 30th of July till Sunday the 7th of August. I know some individuals who should partake in that because they will be together. Pointed look to camera. That'll be a lot of fun. That'll be a lot of fun. Okay, anyway, that's not what we're talking about right now. No, no. We're talking about Suki and Dada as a doornail. And me being a merlion, is that what we decided on? I think, I think it's settled. You are it's a fine. merlion. It's fine. Are you ready to start? <sighs> yeah. All right. When we were last with Suki... She had been hiding Eric from the witches that erased his memory, and then they killed and hid Debbie Pelt, and then Eric's memories were restored, and then he forgot the time that he spent with Sookie, even though he said it was the best he's ever had. Sookie also successfully rescued her brother Jason from his capture by the Panthers of Hotshot, though not before he was bitten, and now the full moon has come, and Jason... Mm changes into a panther man <laughs> yay I love panther man Jason <laughs> I love him so he's just changed for the first time and it goes surprisingly well and most of the panthers treat him like one of the pack Calvin Norris the panther leader takes good care of Jason maybe because he cares about his panther brethren or maybe because he wants Sookie to be his mate. Probably both. Mm. 
60-40. When's... <laughs> We're not saying which. <laughs> when... <laughs> when Suki goes to work at Merlot's later, she greets the new cook, Sweetie, who Suki really likes because she shows up on time and she's good at her job. Sam takes off shortly because it's still the full moon and he's got a shift too. But Terry Belfour comes in to take over as bartender and bouncer. Oh, I really like Terry. I know. Terry is sweet. He's got to kick some idiot college kids out and then a vampire drainer comes in wanting to sell blood. Suki accidentally spills a drink on her jacket and Terry takes it to clean but secretly throws the blood away. They kick the drain out of the bar, which is a good thing because Tara is there with a new vampire, Mickey, who seems really hungry and probably doesn't take too kindly to drainers. He probably... Jerk! Cough, he's cough, the worst. Jerk. He's horrible. He's he's a terrible, I almost said human being. I don't even think he counts as a human being. He's... Creature of the night. <laughs> what a terrible stereotype. The next night at work, Claudine comes in, and of course everyone loves her and goggles at her. But Suki wishes her brother, Claude, would have come in too. Now can I just mm -hmm. stop here and mm -hmm. question? Claude has never been mentioned before. No, and I don't have the short stories. I have read them, but I don't have them to hand. Um, I think he appears in the short stories first because he works at a strip joint. But the short stories it's... would have come after the te like the actual physical books. No, they were written. They were written before. During. During. During, I think. Huh. Yes, because there was a lot of anthologies. Yeah, you're right. Included in, and I, and I, I'm you're sure right. I've got, I've got them yeah. in the anthology forms. But I can't get my hand on it at the moment. But I'm sure there's a short story where Suki goes to a strip joint with Claudine. And, and Claude, Claude is, there. is there. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was just very, uh, it was very odd. It was jarring. It was jarring. Because she's like, well, I wish that Claude was here. And you're like, well, who the fuck is Claude? But we all know who Claude is at the same yeah. time because we've read it before. So anyway, Claude. Yeah. yeah. Claude exists. Claudine has bad news for Suki. She says that shifters are getting shot. One, a girl called Heather, was shot and killed. Another was shot and luckily not killed. This shifter is Calvin Norris. <gasps> So he's, As the panther man, looking like Scooby-Doo animation, goes, what? Suki's so upset because Calvin is a good guy, so hopefully he'll be okay. As they're locking up and leaving for the evening, Suki and Sam walk out the back door of Marlott's together. She turns to say something to Sam, just as he gets shot in the leg. What? The next day, Suki goes to Fantasia, hoping to borrow a bartender while Sam's leg heals. While she's waiting to talk to Eric, she meets Fantasia's new bartender, Charles Twining. God, I love Charles Twining. The pirate. I love Charles Twining. <laughs> Charles Twining is lovely and charming and handsome, and Suki takes to him immediately, as do we. 
Soon enough, she's meeting with Eric, who flirts with her, still trying to get her to reveal what happened between them while his memories were missing. Then they talk about Long Shadow and how his sire, Hotrian, is still mad about Eric killing him the way... Like, all the way back in book one? All the way back in Cast book one. Back to January. So long ago. That's that's a long-standing grudge. It is. It's a long shadow. Uh, what? What? <laughs> After this conversation, Sookie and Eric change topics to Sam and other shifters getting shot and just why Sookie is visiting this evening. She asks Eric to lend a bartender to sub for Sam while he heals. Eric offers for Charles Twining to go, and his payment will be free blood from the bar and lodging, and Sam will owe Eric a favor. Ooh, surely, surely that'll be fine. Sookie then asks about Mickey, Tara's new vampire boyfriend, and Eric says he's bad news and to stay away from him. Not long after, Sookie and Charles Twining leave to go back to Merlot's. On the way, Sookie learns that Charles Twining, I like, I'm sorry, I love his name, Charles Twining, so he's Charles Twining almost every single time. That, that is it. If it couldn't be Charles or Twining. No, it's Charles, Charles Twining. Twining. <laughs> Sookie learns that Charles Twining used to be one of Russell Edgington's. The king of Mississippi, and if you will recall, terrible things happened there. That's curious because, you know, of the terribleness. But, like, maybe he wasn't involved in Bill's torture? Maybe? Because, mm. like, there were a lot of dudes there. Mm. There, were lot, there were lots of sexy hot vampires guys there. And not all of them helped Lorena torture Bill. But we wish that they would have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we are terrible people. <laughs> the next day, Suki works the day shift and a private investigator and his wife come in. They are working for Debbie Pelt's family to figure out what happened to her. Don't look shifty. They want to talk to Suki after she gets off work, but she and Jason are going to the hospital to see Calvin. She suggests they meet up the next day. At the hospital, Calvin tells Suki that some of the Panthers think Jason is responsible for the shootings, but he doesn't think that's true. What? <laughs> After they leave the hospital, Alcide shows up later at Suki's and asks her to go with him to Colonel Flood's funeral. The Shreveport Packmaster was recently killed in a car crash. Was he killed in a car crash, or was he, like, shot at in the car? You know? Car crash. You know, because Shoot. was it an actual car crash, or was it a setup? It doesn't matter, because he's dead. Whatever. And Suki agrees to go. <laughs> she calls to borrow a dress from Tara, who says yes, but not to linger in her house, which Suki understands to mean that there's a vampire in there. She's right, it's Mickey. But she gets a dress and she leaves. <laughs> when she gets back home, the private investigators come by and they know a lot about Suki and Elsie's history, but don't suspect her of any wrongdoing in Debbie's disappearance. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
It really seems like the visit is just to assuage Debbie's parents. The investigators leave without fuss and then Alcide arrives to take Suki to Colonel Flood's funeral. On the way, he asks if there's anything Suki wants to tell him about the night of the witch war. You know, since the investigators were there and all, but nope, she hasn't got a thing to say. Mm. Secrets. What? What? The funeral is not so much a funeral as it is <laughs> a way for the two hopeful new pack masters to present themselves to the pack. One is Alcide's dad, Jackson Hervo, and the other is a guy called Patrick. While at the funeral, Sookie meets a former Packmaster's wife, Christine, who is lovely and kind and teaches her a lot about the Packmasters and what's going on. As they're being seated, Sookie looks over and sees a very tall, very handsome, very bald man and asks Christine who he is. But she doesn't answer, and then the funeral starts. We got to know! Afterward, Suki tells Alcide she doesn't want to see him for a while because he tricked her into coming to learn about the Packmaster Challenge. What a He wants Suki around because he is sure that Patrick is up to something. Suki doesn't like being swindled, but then Alcide reveals that he knows Suki killed Debbie and figured she'd feel like she she owes him (laughs) for not telling him. Suki tells Alcide that Patrick is going to bring up Jackson Hervor's gambling debts to discredit him, but now she's done with Alcide for a while. Good for you, Suki. Really, really and truly. Alcide needs a rolled up newspaper to the nose. He does. No. You bad Later at Merlot's, everyone comes to visit Sam, and Suki tries to listen in and see if she can figure out who the shooter is. She figures it's a guy, because aren't all snipers men? But she doesn't get any leads from the customers at the bar. Sam asks Suki if she'll let Charles Twining stay at her house, mostly as a bodyguard to help keep her and potentially Jason safe if the hotshotters decide to come after him. And also because he's like sleeping in a closet with the mop and it's not the most comfortable place for a vampire to sleep. (laughs) She reluctantly agrees. Later, Suki sees Tara and Mickey come in and she thinks her friend looks miserable. But when she goes to check on their table, she is rudely dismissed by Mickey while Tara pretends to not be in an abusive relationship. She fails. <laughs> After work, Suki and Charles Twining head home. She shows the vampire around and excuses herself for bed. Not too long later, Charles startles Suki awake and tells her there's someone sneaking around outside. That someone turns out to be... Bill. <sighs> Bill is shitty to Suki about having a male in her home. It's got nothing to do with you, Bill. But Suki tells him Charles is there because he's filling in for Sam as bartender since he and several other shifters have been shot. Bill is slightly less shitty after this and Suki goes back inside and back to bed. And is woken up again. This time, by Claudine, who tells Suki that her house is on fire and ushers her outside. Mm. 
is not a good night. Ooh. The girl's got to get her eight hours. No, she's, she's getting like eight and a half minutes of sleep. <laughs> Charles Twining is out there too with the corpse of a stranger who presumably set the house on fire. Charles broke his neck, so he's no longer an issue. Sookie tells Charles to run to Bill's house to call the fire department. Then Sookie slips inside to grab her purse and shuts the door to the kitchen, which is currently engulfed in flames. Surprisingly, the damage is not so bad. Firefighters come quickly and extinguish the blaze that mostly only ruined the kitchen, the back porch, and Sookie's car. But the majority of the house is fine, if a little smoky smelling. Andy Balfour and uh, Bud Dearborn show up to investigate the corpse, who isn't anyone Suki recognises. Claudine says she saw him at Merlot's that evening, but Suki didn't. The cops find a Fellowship of the Sun membership card in the arsonist's wallet, which isn't so strange. The Fellowship have attacked Suki before, and they hate that she loves vampires, plus the stuff that happened in Dallas, and also the staking at Club Dead. Wow. The investigation wraps up here, and Bill offers to let Suki and Charles stay at his house for the rest of the evening. I'm sure it has nothing to do with getting Suki back inside your house. Back in your clutches. Bill, just go away. <laughs> so done with you. You're so basic. I feel like this... This summary is very, very negative of Bill, and it just keeps getting worse in every one that we do, because like we hate it's, Bill. He's the worst. It's not. It's not written down. It's just we have to inject <laughs> it. it. And it's it's not like we can stop it. Just burn. It just happens. Bill's boring. See, I can't stop it. It just comes out. <laughs> boring, Bill. Boy, so basic. It's okay, you're mad. Shut up. (laughs) (sighs) The next day, Sookie's insurance agent comes to check things out and accidentally reveals that he's a witch who maybe casts spells to suggest to people that they get good insurance. As they're walking through the house, Jason comes over and then several others from the town, like Maxine Fortenberry, Hoyt's mom, who offers to do Sookie's laundry, Tara, who brings Sookie a car, Terry Belfleur, who offers to tear down the damaged parts of her house, Arlene, who brings her lunch, Dawson, Calvin's werewolf bodyguard, who offers on Calvin's behalf to kill whoever did this, and an arson investigator, Dennis. Everybody wants to help. Also, Sam is there, but Sam, like, didn't do anything. He was just there. So, he did not get included in that sentence. <laughs> no, Sam's just there at the scenery. Yes. And we're okay with that. I mean, look, he's on a cane and or crutches. Give him a break. He got shot in the leg. Give him a break. Of his leg. Break his leg. That he was shot in. <laughs> you done? No. <laughs> At Merlot's the next day, Arlene hints that she wants to date the arson investigator and then Sam calls Suki into his office. (laughs) The two are not related. Nope, but Arlene just wants to date everyone and we can't leave Arlene out. No, no, it's like Arlene wants to date everyone, probably including people she's related to. Probably. The mother and the twin brother of the fellowship guy say that there's no way he could have been responsible for the fire. 
his wallet was in the wrong place and they'd never heard of him going to the Fellowship of the Sun before. Suki doesn't really know what to make of this visit, but she and Sam listen to what they have to say and then they leave. Is it me or is that hugely inappropriate? Like, come on, he's being accused of arson of this person's house. You don't go to the victim uh-uh. and start harassing uh-uh. them. No, oh, we uncool. we are not fans of victim blaming here. No. Sam hugs Suki after this. Mm-hmm. And then they make out a little. <laughs> and then Bill comes Fucking in. Bill, man. See, it just happens. <laughs> <laughs> Sam launches himself at Bill. We cheer. But then everything cools down. Bill comes to take Suki home, not realising she's borrowing Tara's car. So he leaves, shitting. <laughs> that is really I did write that one. Suki decides to stay with Jason for the tap being. So Bill is completely useless, except that he's allowing Charles Twining to stay with him now. His one and only use. It's singular. And even then, it's minor help. And even then, he does it shittily. Charles could commute. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. He could commute. He's a vampire. He's fast. He could borrow a car and drive it. He could commute. Suki goes to sort through her kitchen the next day. And while she's there, Al Seed drives up. He's mad and hurt about not knowing that Suki's house burned. As he's telling her all the things he could do to help her if she'd let him, including paying to rebuild her house contractor and his wife come by. And frustratingly, the contractor talks to Alcide instead of Suki. <sighs> this is my life right now. I'm going through the same thing right now, currently. Talk to me. I can speak too. Excuse me. A weak and fe- feeble female mind can't do that, Amanda. Oh, you're right. sorry i just need to go and find a protest yes yeah just start making a picketing sign while you're sitting here okay so (laughs) the contractor talks to alcide and asks him all the questions about the layout and the design of suki's house and then suki steps up way to go suki and tells the contractor what she wants and that is to make the kitchen basically the same and enclose the back porch and make it bigger. It'll be three or so months before it's finished. After the contractor leaves, Alcide tells Suki he is man and he wants her to move in with him and be his woman. Ugh. Like he doesn't like exactly say that, but it's basically what he said. Yeah, yeah. She tells him she's not ready for that now, and neither is he. But they can revisit the idea again when her house is finished, if he's still interested. Hmm. Smart targets. Later, as she's on her way to work, Suki drops off Tara's dress that she borrowed and gets creeped out by Mickey, who asks her about Charles Twining for some reason and how long he's been at Merlot's. She says not long and then leaves as he tells her she's a bad influence on Tara and he's all she needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all believe that. When Suki gets to Merlot's, she's greeted outside by Sweetie the cook. Suki doesn't know much about Sweetie because they've 
been a lot of cooks at the bar. But Sweetie tells her she's sorry about her house, so Suki pauses to chat. The chat is relatively normal, though Sweetie does seem to sniff Suki. But that's maybe just because she still smells like burned house. Then she tells Suki that Sam really likes her, but Suki brushes it off. Sweetie also asks about Suki being with Sam when he got shot, and if Suki thinks the victims have anything in common. No, no. I don't know anything. It's totes random. I'm just a barmaid in a small town. I don't know nothing. Eric comes in later while Sookie is fuming over Bill having brought a date to the bar. Eric's upset that Claudine saved Sookie from her burning house and not Charles Twining, but whatever. He's supposed to be working for Sam, not babysitting Sookie. Come on. Eric changes the conversation topic to his time spent with Sookie without his memories. He Mm. desperately wants to know what happened and believes that maybe he might have maybe killed someone or helped cover something up. But Sookie won't say anything other than Eric was sweet to her during that time. And liked to talk. <laughs> He's terribly frustrated. But then Sam comes out to check on Sookie. So he leaves. <laughs> Sam talks to Suki about their interrupted makeout session from the day before. Which is awkward. But then he offers her a furnished duplex he owns. Which is thoughtful. When she gets back to work, Bill's date comes to size her up and thinks poorly of her. But then she asks Suki for vampire dating advice. Really? Bill talks to her about his date shortly thereafter, making sure that Suki is jealous, but in a light-hearted way. (laughs) It seems like they're done for good now, in the romance department at least. And we all cheer. Yes. You know, that is an awkward situation, you know, because he was mm. he was her first love. And now he's in the bar with a date. And I mean, it's not like she's not kissing every literally every single where shifter, human, vampire, whatever. She's kissing everybody. Man. Man. She's mm-hmm. kissing everyone. But she still gets really jealous about Bill. And like, I mean, it's. As much as we hate Bill, because fuck Bill, um, it is kind of nice that he, like, comes to check on her and makes sure she's okay. You know? I mean, it's like a decent human being thing to do. Yeah, but he also didn't need to bring the he also did not into Merlot right. and sit. Well, that, that, okay. Bringing the date to your ex's workplace is one thing. Bringing your date to your ex's workplace and sitting in the ex's area... That's- is another thing. It's something that he did And that's shittily. what he did. And that's a shitty things to do. Because Boring Bill is a shitty guy. Yeah. So he spends the night with Jason and Crystal again. And they're busy all night. Wink, wink. <laughs> Which makes Suki very happy that Sam offered her the duplex. She leaves the next day to gather some stuff from her house to take to the duplex, and after getting set up there, she goes to see Calvin at the hospital. He's doing much better. 
They talk about the fire and the shifter sniper and Jason. Suki gives Calvin a kiss before leaving, which he for sure takes the wrong way, but he thinks she's nice and pretty and she smells good, which makes her feel special. That just means she got the smell of burned house out of her throat. <laughs> After visiting with Calvin, Suki goes to the library. Unfortunately, as she's leaving with her stack of books, she gets shot. Damn it! Luckily, she heard a non-human brain and ducked just in time, making this only a shoulder wound instead of, you know, a deadly one. <laughs> Portia Belfer is there and gets help before Suki passes out. Her last valiant effort before succumbing to the pain, moving her books so they don't get covered in blood. Your friendly local librarian thanks you. That's a medal of honour right yeah. there. Suki wakes up in the hospital and Jason is there, excited because Suki got shot while he was with people. So everyone will know he's definitely not the shooter. Oh, Jason, she's so sweet and so dumb. (laughs) She's visited by Andy Belfleur, who asks her questions about being shot, but she doesn't know anything. Then she dozes off again. When she wakes the next time, Bill is there and asks if they can ever be like they were. No, Bill. Jeez. Stop it. Oh, my God. But then Suki asks him to lay with her because he makes her feel safe. And then she falls asleep again. <laughs> Stop about mixed freaking <sighs> messages. When it's time for Suki to be discharged, Claude shows up to give her a ride home. They have an interesting conversation which involves him asking Suki to pose for romance novel covers with him after her shoulder heals and also about him knowing Sweetie, the cook, who used to work as a stripper before an accident that left her too scarred to strip. Hmm. Interesting. When Claude drops Suki off at her duplex, Andy is there because his girlfriend lives next door. He asks questions again, but Suki still doesn't know anything. It's been like three and a half minutes, Andy. Back off. (laughs) Tara comes by later and confesses that Mickey is terrible to her and she wants out of their relationship or whatever it is that's going on between them. Suki wants to kill him. But Tara refuses and then leaves. So Suki calls Eric for help. Eric calls Mickey's maker to make her recall him so he'll have to leave Bonton. This is a great and very helpful plan. But now Suki owes him. Oh no! Damn it! (laughs) She tells him everything that happened between them while he lost his memories. They almost... Have a sexy moment. But then... Mickey is staring outside the window. No, thank you. (laughs) He's out there strangling Tara (laughs) and growls to let him in or he'll kill her. (laughs) Wow. What? He 
he throws a rock through the window and knocks Eric out for a few seconds, but he manages to quickly heal by sneaky drinking Suki's wrist out of sight. Suki invites Mickey in then. He attacks her, letting go of Tara. Suki rescinds Mickey's invitation so he's ejected without a fight. Very clever, Suki. She reads books. Eric calls Mickey's maker again and he tries to avoid her summons. This is not going to end well for Mickey. Eric calls Bill over to fix the window because he can make Bill do pretty much anything he wants. Dance for me, my little monkey boy. (laughs) Eric then tells Tara she's been a bad friend to Suki. Why is he doing all these nice things? (laughs) Tara sleeps on the couch but is gone the next morning. Sookie goes to work the next day and sees Sweetie outside. Now that Sookie knows she was a stripper, things are awkward. (laughs) Sam's worried about Sookie being shot because she's not a shifter, but he notices that she definitely smells like one. (gasps) What? The shooter must be able to smell shifters and wares. Oh my god. And she's been kissing everybody. They decide to go sniffing around the crime scenes to see if Sam can pick up anything on the shooter. The cops have been doing stakeouts and they're at one of the scenes while Sookie is there with Sam as a bloodhound. Andy approaches Sookie, who plans to get out of their way. They've sniffed several scenes and it seems that Sam is onto something. But then he starts growling. There's someone there. With a gun. (gasps) Suki asks if Andy is armed. They're not doing a very good job at the stakeout, P.S., if they don't know that there's someone there with a gun. The police in Vontomp are just rubbish. They still think Jason's the serial (laughs) killer, even though they actually caught him red-handed. The shooter is... Sweetie! (gasps) What? She got bit by someone who is not a born shifter, making her a quarter shifter. Mm. This must be the accident that Claude mentioned. Mm. The full moon after she was bitten, she got real heavy and her hands changed. (laughs) Her boyfriend didn't like her anymore, so she decided to start shooting shifters, and she shot a bunch in several states. As she's telling this story, Dalton, the werewolf who guards Calvin's door in the hospital, tries to attack Sweetie from behind, but she turns and shoots him in the chest. Dang. Andy at first wants to kill Suki because of all the trouble she's always causing, but then he kills Sweetie instead. Andy should not be in the place. He really shouldn't. I think he's also mm. drunk right now. If I, re- quite, if I quite recall clearly. correctly, I'm pretty sure he got shit-faced at Merlot's before they yeah. came out to do the stakeout. I think you are right. The rest of the police come and take the now-human and naked Dalton to the hospital. After this encounter, Andy knows about werewolves and shifters, but he doesn't know that Sam is the bloodhound. Probably for the best. Thankfully. I'm pretty sure his head would explode. Well, then tell him just to get him out of the way. That's true. <laughs> Alcide comes by to see Suki after this and invites her to the Werewolf Packmaster Challenge. 
She says she'll think about it. She cooks a meal for Calvin, who is home from the hospital now. She kisses him before leaving, and she almost decides that she should just be with him. But <laughs> no, she can't live in Hotshot and have children in that incestual little town. <laughs> Don't Ooh. do it. Don't do it. Ooh. Don't do it. The guy running against Alcide's father for Packmaster, Patrick, is also at Calvin's. And as Sookie is leaving, he tells her that eventually uh, Calvin's going to want something from her. But then he rides off into the sunset on his motorcycle. (laughs) Suki decides to go to the Packmaster Challenge after talking with Patrick because he's the worst and she doesn't want him to win. She already knows he and his followers have been spreading gambling rumours about Jax and her boar and she's sure he's going to do worse things. When Alcee calls her to tell her it's time for the challenge, she heads to Shreveport and to the address where they've set up the event. Claudine and Claude are there too, thank goodness. And so is the handsome, bald man from the funeral. Now, not only is he handsome and bald, but he's also shirtless. (gasps) He is the impartial referee of the event and gets things started by making Jackson and Patrick shift on command and go through an obstacle course. They both struggle at different parts, but each make it through successfully. The next challenge is to hold a bar of silver in their mouths, which is super painful to werewolves. Alcide places the bar in his father's mouth, and Patrick Second does the same after rubbing his hands all over the bar to inspect it. Jackson whimpers in pain while Patrick sits quietly. Suki discovers that Patrick Second rubbed a numbing cream all over the bar and tells the handsome bald man, who she learns is named Quinn, <laughs> they are dirty rotten cheaters. Patrick is declared the loser of this challenge, and the first as well. In order to become Packmaster, he has to win the final challenge completely. Ooh. Ooh. The final challenge is a fight. Normally... It will be a who-can-last-five-minutes fight. But now, it's to the death. Thunderdome. <laughs> Quinn asks Suki to go into the cage. The cage fight. She'd go in. You just go in there. You just go in no, there. No, don't. You no. go in there. He wants to make sure that neither wolf is planning to cheat. As Suki and Quinn leave the cage, Patrick immediately attacks, and Suki gets hurt. But luckily, she was only scraped by the gate closing. Whew. She is not going to be a she-wolf. Oh, man. Ooh. That was a tense moment. Very I tense know, but moment. it gets better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Quinn strips Suki's leg of her tights and licks her wound because obviously he's some sort of shifter too. But Suki doesn't know what. They both really enjoy the experience, but Quinn says it's not their time yet. (gasps) Now back to the wolf fight. Jackson is an older wolf, and unfortunately, he loses. Wah, wah. 
<laughs> Alcida's crushed, and Suki's upset because the entire challenge was obviously rigged. The final part of the event, after every wolf licks Patrick's hand and exposes their neck to him, is for him to whelp a new pup, a.k.a. impregnate someone. <laughs> a young naked lady walks out and Patrick fucks her right there in front of everyone. <laughs> Yeesh. My goodness. Ooh. 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 What? <laughs> Suki goes to Merlot's after that and Sam gets a big whiff of her and asks when she hung out with a tiger <gasps> what? what that's what Quinn is Duh. oh my ah! god we've tiger. only been waiting for five books <laughs> All night at the bar, someone keeps calling and hanging up. And then Bubba shows up at the back door. Hey, Bubba. He says to Suki, he isn't what he seems. He's a sharpshooter. And then he leaves. Thanks, Bubba. <laughs> Charles Twining comes back then, super impressed to have just seen freaking Elvis the Vampire without using his name, of course, and that makes something click in Suki's head. If Charles Twining belonged to Russell Edgington, he would know that Bubba is Elvis because he performed for them after Suki helped Bill escape. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Charles tells Suki that he doesn't want to kill her, but he has to. Right. Fortunately... Everybody in the bar attacks him and stops him from killing Suki. They start to call the vampire police, but Charles says no, just stake him because he failed in his duties. So they do. <laughs> Eric shows up a little bit later, angry and wanting to stake Charles, but don't worry, he's already dead. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> Eric explains that he and Bill looked through Bill's vampire phone book and discovered that Charles Twining was actually sired by one of Hot Rain's vampires. They were scrapbooking together. I know. It's so cute. When his sire was killed, Charles Twining pledged himself to Hot Rain who told him to kill Suki because Eric cares for her like he cared for Long Shadow. Well, you know, we knew he was upset. He's been upset mm -hmm. this entire book. We knew that. Mm -hmm. Charles heard about the shifter shootings and shot Sam so Suki would go to Eric and ask for a bartender. He would miraculously be there and could quietly kill Suki in some sort of accident. Say... A house fire. What? That's convoluted as hell, but it's a good plan. Hmm. Oh, R.I.P. Charles Twine. Mm. Eric tells Suki after this that they're making a sexy vampire calendar at Fantasia <laughs> and tells her if she'll leave his picture up all year long, he'll give her one. <laughs> 
She agrees, as do we all. <laughs> Speaking of calendars, he then asks her to keep the beginning of March open because he's going to need her help at a summit of local kings and queens. Then he kisses her gently and asks her about their time together. How she told him he said she was the best he ever had and he would give up everything for her. He asks if, she, if the same is true for her. Her response? Don't you wish you knew? <gasps> what? <laughs> Love it. Such a good ending. Oh. Such a good ending. I really enjoyed that one. I think that everyone needs to think for a few moments on the vampire calendar. Mm-hmm. Mr. January. Yes. And we're going to pause for a second and enjoy this break. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. And I'm Lauren. We are the hosts of Badass Literature Society, a book review podcast where we take book recommendations from listeners like you, read them, and then discuss them on our show. Join us once a month as we dive into the books you picked and talk about them. And don't miss our bonus episodes covering all sorts of random bookish topics that come out in between reviews. Don't worry, if you want to read one of the books, the first part of each episode is designated spoiler-free, so you can listen and see if you'd like to read it, and then come back and listen to the rest later. You can find Badass Literature Society on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen. Now, back to the show. Do you know who won't make that calendar? Bill? Yes. <laughs> or Charles, he's, he's dead. Or Mickey. Or Long Shadow. Mm. Do you think Bubba will be in the calendar? Strategic lighting, so all you see is vampire butt and like the hairdo. The hairdo and maybe like yeah. a spangle or two. Yeah. His his spangly and back to camera lights. And like and his profile. his spangly jumpsuit is like being peeled off of him, so his buttons are out. But there's also spangles around. Yes. Okay. Yes. Done. Or like one of those butt flaps that you put on top of There is a butt jumpsuits. flap in the spangly jumpsuits and it's got little buttons but the buttons are rhinestones because it has to be glittery well of course so there you go sorted done what what month though i don't know i don't know what month he would be i mean elvis was born in march and died in january, january or the other way around born in, january. born in january died in march mm-hmm. it can't be january because that's it. Erica's January. Halloween, and then everybody thinks that they're it's not fake. really. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right, it's perfect. Or every single one is Eric, and then we get to October, and it's Eric dressed like Dracula. That could also. But just the cape. Just the yes, cape. Yes, of course. Yeah. I think I would like that calendar better. Yes, why have we got that calendar? I don't know. Hmm. Should make that calendar. Should. So, standout moment, the calendar. <laughs> the calendar. <laughs> Our fabricated calendar with Eric on every page. 
<laughs> we stand by our creations. <laughs> oh, do you know? It. I find it really bothersome that mm. Suki kisses literally everyone. She's just like dragging all these guys on she's she's leading them on she's dangling them she kisses al seed a bunch or you know hugging him and whatever she kisses calvin a bunch yeah that that especially is bad yeah like out of all of the ones that she's quote-unquote leading on because he thinks he stands a chance yeah al seed just wants a chance yeah she kisses Bill once or twice in this one, but that's more like, or he kisses her, like, pecks on the cheek. That's not much, but Still oh my me. god, Bill, stop it, jeez. Uh, she kisses Eric. Mm-hmm. She kisses Sam. Oh, yeah. And do we count Quinn licking her leg? Yeah. <laughs> Sam could smell him all over her. It happened. <laughs> That was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? What? But seriously, that's that's six guys that she is involved with in one way or another. You see, I don't mind the fact that she's kissing them because she's not kissing everybody on the lips like in a romantic way or trying to lead them on. Some of them, it's a kiss on the cheek, and Suki is Suki is a physically affectionate person, and that's fine. And I think she's finally in a place where she is learning to control her powers. So when she has the physical contact with people, well, humans in particular, it's less so. Yeah. But everybody we've just mentioned there are supernatural yeah. and she's more comfortable around them and she's not as affected by them. So she's just she's just kind of being herself. She's not leading anybody on. She's leading Calvin it's, on. She's le- Calvin is the only one who I have concerns over her showing any physical affection to in any way, shape, or form. Even if it was a pat on the shoulder, he would be like, oh my god, is that first base? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's not. It's just her being her. Yeah. Some people are huggy. Some people are not. Some people, you know, are very physical. Some people uh, are... Suki has always you, been... You stick your tongue in your mouth. I mean, stick your tongue in their mouth at every moment you see them. If you're sticking your tongue down people's throats then there is an implication that of something more than a platonic relationship. I just, I had a thought just now, Mm. but I can't say it out loud because we're not there yet. So I'm putting a pin in it. So anyway, Mm -hmm. after that, we can talk about that in a few more books. Yeah. I don't remember when that happens. But anyway. No, the order gets fuzzy after yeah, this. Yeah. Um, I really, I think my favorite part of this entire book, I mean, other than Quinn and meeting him and, you know, because we've been waiting for Quinn this entire time. I really enjoyed when Suki got shot that she saved her library books. She's like, no, get the books out of the way. I don't want to get blood on them. They're going to make me pay for them. No, they wouldn't, Suki. If you got shot in the parking lot of your public library, all of the librarians would be like, oh my God, Suki, are you okay? Did you bleed on the books? That's fine. We'll throw them away. Don't worry about it. Yes, she she needs to be 
she needs to be taught the etiquette of librarians. Like, you know, librarians are cool people. Yeah. They're not gonna... We're not gonna... We're not gonna say, oh my god, you got shot all over these books. You have to give us money for them. Only the worst kind of librarians would do that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But I really appreciate her, like thinking of the books well i know and i love that she's finally going to the library because i feel like i was i remember her going to the library a lot yeah and now it's happening she's gone she's gone to the library well that's it it mentions that she goes to the library a lot her education is through the library yeah but we've never actually been to the library with her. So it was quite nice. I would be quite happy to have like a novella, just her in the library. Like, yeah. Looking at different books and assess, do I want to read this? Yeah. I've read this one before. This one's a comfort read. And then she can do a bell along the, the bookshelves. If she really yeah. Wants. Yeah. No, I like that. I, 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 like, I finally like, like the visit to the library happened. Yes. Um, yes. I also... <sighs> I love everything about Charles Twining, and I'm sad that he's dead because he was just delightful with his oh. pirateness and his curly hair and his eye patch. And he was so charming. He was so charming and jaunty and silly and dapper happy. and happy. Yes, and but he was scheming the whole time to kill Sookie. He was the kind of guy you would like want to go to the movies with. When you want to go with a male friend and nothing, no expectations of anything else. Yeah, he was a he would have been a really good friend, and you know he didn't want to kill her after he got to know her. He didn't want to do it. I don't know even. I don't even know if he'd have wanted to kill her anyway. I think you know he will kill where it needs to be done. Right. You know he's he he doesn't do it for the pleasure. Well, unless he's you know certainly never really. Um, he does it because. He's told to do right. it. Do you know what I got total vibes of? What? Of Charles Twining. What? what? Channing, Channing of the Chesterfield Channings. <laughs> so for me, it's Charles Twining of the Twining Twinings. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, I got that too. Yeah. I got that vibe too. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> Every time the name Charles Twining comes up, I'm the Twining Twinings. <laughs> we have a history of tea bags. He used to he used to work for the East India Trading Company, but then realised how bad they were, so he went to pirate piracy. Mm. Backstory. You know what there though? Channing Channing is a werewolf, not a vampire. Well, this is just the opposite side of the same coin. You're right. <laughs> Tell you what I was surprised by. Oh, what was your surprise? It's not a great surprise. How much of a freaking dick Alcide was? Yeah, he was he was pulling the man card a lot in this one. The man. He was. Man. This, this, this is a standout thing that happened in the book, and not a good way, but also my surprise. I'll jump ahead with that one. He lost all man points for me. All man points. All of them gone. Disappeared. Yeah. Why do you feel like you need to lie to Suki and fabricate a reason for her to go to the funeral to read people's minds to find out what's going on with the Packmaster trial when you could have just said, listen, it's the colonel's funeral, things are going weird, 
My father's going to be that wants to go for Packmaster, but Patrick, the other guy, and his bunch are dodgy. Can you come and read the people's minds while we're at the funeral? And I'd really appreciate you being there by my side at the funeral. And Sue could have been, yes, I will do that. Thank you for being upfront. Yes. And like, it's already established that she's like double friend of the pack. So even saying, hey, there's some weird stuff happening and I might need you to read some people's minds. But also, you're a friend of the pack, and Colonel Flood died, and I think that you would like to be at his funeral. Would also have been a reasonable thing to say. Mm-hmm. But no, he lied. Yeah. He misled. Yeah. And he does that more than once as well. And when a house burns down, I understand contracted a contractor, they might want to just have that conversation because they're speaking the same language. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's not his house... He has no say in the matter. You talk to the homeowner and the purse strings. Yeah. That infuriated me. Yeah. And it ha- but it happens all the time. All the time. Yeah, but prior to this, I mean, we are... Alcide is a really good man. And so you would have expected him to say, yeah, look, I'm a contractor, I know all this stuff, but this is Sookie's house. So what does Sookie want to do? Instead of her having to, like, push everybody down out of the way and be like, hey, this is, hey, this is my house. Hey, pay attention to me. And then she asks the wife, like, do you think they would even notice if we left? Yeah. It's not on. Mm-mm. It is not on. No, it's frustrating. Noise the life out of me when that happens because it'll have happened to you and it'll still be happening to you when you're there with your husband and they're the ones who have been talked to, not you, even though it's your money, it's your time, it's for you, it's your investment. They're literally just tagging along. Yeah. Uh, very. But it was nice not to hear Suki constantly being going on about how little money that she has. Yeah. She actually talks about how like she's grateful that she has money but then she was talking about it with Alcide and he's like oh Eric Eric's giving you money and he's like well no I earned it I earned that money that Eric is giving me like yeah he, he's giving me money but I earned it I worked I did mm-hmm. stuff for the vampires so they're paying me a service was provided her perks were amazing sex help hiding Debbie Pell's body Fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, and she gave Jason some. Yes, she didn't even keep the full fifty thousand. Oh, and a nice coat. He got her a lovely coat. He did get her a lovely coat, and you know now her kitchen's burned down, so there's no evidence of Debbie. Oh mm. no, Dawn! Mm. Freaking Debbie! Freaking Debbie Pelt! Oh, honestly. Just constantly going everywhere. And it's not as if her parents even liked her. No, they didn't. And that part was like funny but also sad. Yeah. Alcide's like, nah, they don't really care about her. You know, it's like her sister. They really like her and she's the one doing this. I I emailed her. She's the one. But yeah, they don't like Debbie. But nobody likes Debbie, except for that owl that she was engaged to. Well, even then. But like, Alcide is awfully bothered by the person he abjured. Yeah. It's like, dude, stop it. Yeah. And how I, I can't remember, how does he know 
Suki killed her? Like, how does he know? No. No. Um. She, he could smell her in Suki's house? <gasps> Those spots of blood or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but he knew that she was there. He knew that Debbie was in her house because he could smell her. He could smell that she had been there. And he knew that he that she hates Suki's guts out and that she would do something about it. But even then, that's still speculation. Yeah, but also I'm pretty sure that there was blood somewhere. There was like blood yeah. splatter on the wall or something. Uh-huh. But and he was couldn't... like and he was like, I only noticed it because I know her. I know her smell. That's the only reason why yeah. I knew it. Okay. But the kitchen's gone now, so... The kitchen's gone now, yeah. <laughs> new kitchen. A brand new kitchen. A brand new back porch. Closed in. Yes. She's got her sunroom now. Or she will have in three months. <laughs> <laughs> what are you giggling about I do remember that when she moves in like when she has to move out of the duplex she's like dang it like this has got insulation and it's you know it's quite nice and it's modern and if I'm going to go buy old house do I really want to yes Suki you want to go back to your old house yeah yeah <sighs> you do I'm a little good that Eric managed to get the truth out of Suki so soon like I quite enjoyed her like Little smiles of, I know, but you don't. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I don't remember about future books? What does Eric get from Sam? I can't remember that either. Because... The early books are really quite much fresher. But the later ones, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be all surprises. I mean, I know a couple of things that are coming. But I don't remember when they happen or why, no. necessarily. No, the chronology's all messed up yeah. in my, my mind. But I remember a good three or four or five key things that are coming up in the next few books. Yes. I know one of them involves a Stackhouse relative, and I remember that being a very good storyline. But for the life of me, cannot remember what. Yeah. But you know, speaking of future events, I really appreciate that Eric was like, okay, so can you get free in beginning of March time? I need to book you in for another job. Like, he respects her as an independent consultant. Yes. To book in her time, to schedule her in, will pay the fee according to her, you know, abilities yeah. and what pay her worth yeah and probably then some because he's very generous probably. with his money to her yeah. and i really appreciated that rather than that right you've got to come to dallas now or what yeah you know, like, and you know he's he was very kind in this book and it wasn't you know goofy i don't have my memories super sweetheart eric like he is legitimately thoughtful in this one asking her to, hey, please keep March open because I'm going to need your help. Mm-hmm. Telling Tara, you have been a terrible friend to Suki. Making Bill come and board up her windows. <laughs> Sending Charles Twining. I mean, even though Charles Twining well, was... But, like, yeah. he didn't know that. But, like, no. he's... He was played just as much as everybody else yeah. was. Yeah. But... <sighs> 
getting Mickey calling. Yeah, like, getting Mickey yeah. out of everybody's hair. Coming to stake I Charles Twining. About Mickey. Yeah. Even though he was already dead. <laughs> it's the secret the town will never speak of. Yeah. It was a very murder at the Orient Express. Yes, because they all did it. They all had a hand in that murder. Mm. I really appreciated um, Terry Belfleur in this. Yeah. I really like Terry in the TV show. Yeah. I think he's a big sweetheart. Deserves better than Arlene in the TV yeah. show. And I really like him in the books. Like he's 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 got had some trauma. He has some mental health that needs to be taken care of and obviously he's not receiving the help that he probably should have. Right. Bloody American health service. Um <laughs> But, you know, he just he's a good hard worker, he's polite, he's a nice guy, he just needs to be out in the open and, you know, he's like, I want to go and buy a new dog. And it's like, well, what keeps happening to those dogs? He, he always has to have the same breed of dog and that's all he wants is to go and buy yeah, a new dog. He's very... I think that's really sweet. He's very gentle. He is. He knows what works for him and he sticks with what works for him. Yeah. And I think that's... And there's you know, nothing that's, wrong that's... with that. No, um, I applaud him for it. What else? I feel like I talked a lot about the stuff that I enjoy. What What else were your standout moments? That was a terribly worded <sighs> sentence, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way that Claude and Claudine stuck with Suki at the werewolf trials. And then when Patrick was fucking that girl, they were like, yeah, Suki, come here. And they, like, held her tight yeah. and closed her eyes and kept her ears closed yeah. so she wouldn't have to witness it. Yeah. Um, the werewolf trials, oh, my God. Do you, do you remember Gladiator, the TV show? Gladiator. No. You had the American version. I do. I, do, I have seen the American the version. The American version is called American Gladiator. And it was one of my favorite shows as a child. It's still Gladiator. My brother was part of the actual Gladiator fan club and he had a signed picture of Jet. That's wonderful. <sighs> Honestly. And then they um, brought it back it, in, in the US for a little while and it did not go very well. Same here. But I love that. We had one of the contestants actually turn into a Gladiator Eunice. She famously just absolutely kicked ass. She took no prisoners and she whipped the floor of every single gladiator in every single round and they were like yeah do you want to come back as a gladiator so she came back as a gladiator that's really fun um anywho the wolf pack trials reminded me of gladiators like right yes. do an obstacle course yes. i'm like i'm gonna go up the travelator now yes and i have to jump over those stupid sponge things yes and they have to run on that spinning wheel and not fall off yes and they have to break yes. through the wall mm-hmm mm-hmm in the UK version, we had a Scottish referee, very famously, very, very Scottish referee. And even when they brought it back, they got the same guy. But also one of the um, presenters, for some reason, don't know why, but he would scream, a wooga. That's it's terrible. so terribly embarrassing. It's terrible. And all the way through the Packmaster trials, all I could hear was a bad Scottish accent going, are you ready? And then, a wooga! And I'm like, fuck God. No. 
<laughs> this is supposed to be serious, Claire. It's a serious Packmaster trial. And then they put the silver bar in the mouth. I'm like, really? I don't know. It just, as a trial goes to be Packmaster, it doesn't scream as effective no. to me. No. Like, how long can you withstand extreme burning mouth pain? What? <laughs> what does that what determine? Does that... Exactly. Thank you. Like I get no I get the obstacle course because it also had like hidden traps and stuff that they had to find with their werewolf noses and like it shows that you could be a cautious leader and like you think things through and you want to keep people safe and all of that stuff like that's a decent that's a decent judge of character but burning mouth pain doesn't tell me anything about you as a person (laughs) yeah even the fight like the thunderdome style fight at the end that said more to me than anything else yeah well and that you know you're strong you you gotta you gotta be the winner and I really just I just really wish that it could have been a five minute fight instead of a fight to the death. Because it and it didn't even need they didn't even need to kill him. But then he did. Yeah, I don't know. I felt I felt there was a lot of gratuity in that entire scene, that entire part that didn't need to be there. Yeah. Like the descriptions of the nudity. I'm not prudish. You know I don't mind a good I'll, I'll, I like a good, I like a good fucking in a book. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mum. Um, so it doesn't bother me, but it just again we've had this conversation at Vampire Book Club actually about the somewhat gratuitous nature of Charlene Harris's writing. Um, the particular reference we talked about was the rape scene, which yeah. annoys the life out of me. That Suki is basically turning around and saying that, well, was it rape? You're a victim, and it feels like she's purposely trying to project something else on that situation. Yeah. It's like, no, it was a rape. Yeah. Um, and there's been other gratuitous, potentially unnecessary, like even the, the murder orgy. Yeah, the murder the orgy. The of the nudity. No, ooh. Ooh, and everyone was oily, and they were all reaching and touching and honking and squeezing and stroking and woo. It was too much. It was too much. And I felt the same for the Packmaster Trials. It was just all a bit too much. Literally, the only two things I liked about the Packmaster Trials well, three things. I didn't mind the Thunderdome style fight at the end. That makes sense to me. Um... Claude and Claudine being there with Suki didn't mind that quite so much, uh, and Quinn, <laughs> and Quinn, yeah, and all subsequent leg licking, yes, that took place. Yeah. I like that we don't necessarily, in one hundred percent terms, discover why Quinn is there. Other than the fact, well, we that... just know that isn't an independent referee. Yes, that's it. but we don't find out his actual job title until the next book i am so excited for the next i know book. So excited. i know i just remembered something else that i really liked about this one because you were talking about claude 
I really enjoy that Claude is going to audition to be on romance novel covers, and he asks Suki to pose with him because she's like buxom, you know. And he's like, "What size clothes do you wear?" And she wears like she wears eight, like she wears an eight. She's not a tiny little thing. She's got a nice rack. She's like, what am I gonna? What am I gonna wear? She's like, oh, don't worry, we'll take care of that. My photographer no. will, care, will care for that. Don't worry about it. I can't remember if that actually happens in one of the main series books or in the novella, but I know it happens because I have read it. I feel like I have read it too, so it must have been in the main series. Yes, I'm hoping so because I remember it being delightful. And I'm going to have to do a little digging now to see if it is. But yeah, it's if it's, it's a really good If it's story. not, then I imagined it myself and really enjoyed it. So I remember three short stories. One was, I remember we've been in a strip joint with Claude, which I'm sure is his introduction. I remember the Halloween at Fantasia where Dracula is supposed to turn up because that's the the good luck sign of the next year of Dracula comes to your Halloween party and Eric's just like a giddy schoolboy. And I remember there is the romance novel photo shoot. I don't know if it's in the main... That one is a main series. The other two are definitely short stories. What else? Anything else? Is there anything else that you loved? I think I've covered yeah. it all because, I mean, we've talked about... We've talked about um, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eric's sexy vampire calendar. Yes. Duh. It's my favorite part. <laughs> favorite characters? The calendar. The calendar, number one, is favorite character. Charles Twining. <laughs> I love Charles Twining. And Quinn. And Quinn Hobbs. Perfect. Do we need to say any more? No. <laughs> no. I've already covered my surprise, which was Alcide losing all his man points because he's been a jerk. Yes. Um, mine, I think, Claude, because, mm. like, in my head, I know that Claude exists, and I know that there's plenty of other ones. There's plenty of uh, Claudine and Claudette and Claudia and Claude. And there's a million of them. There's a million of there them, are. eventually. It's not an inventive name, naming no, system. No, no. But I, I remember that being a thing. So spoilers for future books, everyone. But he was just he was just there. And it was jarring because she was just like, oh, yeah, Claudia is at the bar. I really wish Claude would have been here. And you're like, what? Who the fuck is Claude? Who's Claude? Ta-da. <laughs> so that yeah. that was that was surprising to me. Just. Not that Claude exists, but the fact that he was mentioned in that way. Because even if it, 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 it could have just been, Claudine is at the bar. I wish that her brother Claude was there, who, you know, it, it's been a little bit of time, who I met at a thing, who I saw, who she told me about. Mm-hmm. Just a half a sentence would have smoothed that out but anyway I can't imagine she was a word count or whatever yeah. and not being able to put that in um, 
this is why I don't like short stories that tie so much mm. into women's series. Yeah, because because you you, you, you yeah exactly you don't, relying on yeah, and you don't necessarily read them. No. Um, something else that I found surprising is the quarter shifter. <laughs> and she's like gets a bit hairy and weird hands. Yes. She's like, I was I was a stripper and I was real good at it, but then I got bit and then my hands got hairy. <laughs> it's not the fact that she's got a bite mark that scars her, it's the fact that she's got hairy hands. Yeah. Like and it's just her hands. Which for a cook is not good. No. She's got to wear gloves at uh, at the full moon. Which you could do as a stripper. Yeah. And, you know, you probably get long fingernails, which you can have as a stripper. If you're riding the pole, all you need are bare legs or as much bare flesh on your legs as possible for grip. I know this. I have been on a stripper pool before. Not for work, for my hen party. And I have pictures. Couldn't go forwards, could only go backwards. It's great. I was dressed as a nun. That's wonderful. All right, is it time? <laughs> it's very much time. That's, that's <laughs> the end of that conversation. It is time. I feel like we've missed a video rather here. We should really rethink. Yep. Okay. We asked on social media, would you rather lick the same hand that everyone else has licked or have everyone licked your hand? Either way, gross. <laughs> on Facebook, 89% said that they want their hand licked. On Instagram, it was 71% for their hand. On Twitter, straight up 50-50. And on TikTok, 89% said they want their hand licking. We have comments. We do have comments. And can I say thank you very much, Annie Bree, Coral, Colin and Drew, for alphabetically putting your comments. It's it so satisfying you know, to look at them. Technically, Coral and Colin should be switched, but it's well, very yes, close. I have had this discussion, but I'm just going to go by the first letter, otherwise my brain starts to disintegrate. Yes. But the fact that on Facebook it went A, B, C, D, I'm very yes. happy with. Mm-hmm. Yes. So thank you very much for unconsciously or consciously doing that. Yes. So Annie on Facebook said, have your hand licked. It would be disgusting, but at least you could wash your hands afterwards. Bree on Facebook said, everyone licking my hand. I can dip it in powdered sugar to make the experience better for everyone. That's really thoughtful and kind, Bree. Is it is. Coral on Facebook said, Can we say a gross emoji? You can lick my hand because there's no way I'm licking yours. Multiple exclamation points. Colin on Facebook said, Yes, I'm the one being licked because there's no way I'm licking someone's skank ass hand that everyone else has already been going to town on. Plus, I know where my hands have been, and believe me when I say, you don't want to be licking these bad boys. I'm not sure how I feel about that comment. I am deeply uncomfortable. Drew on Facebook said, I don't want to be licking anyone's hands. And mine are at least clean. Mm, Not anymore. (laughs) These are covered in slobber now. 
Can you put hand sanitizer on after each one? Like, just have hand sanitizer. That would taste really bad for the lickies. I don't care. No, liquor. Or for the liquor, because they're licking. They'll have to put up with that. We had some library comments, too. Mm -hmm. Um, One said, I would rather have everyone lick my hand. That way, I feel like royalty. That's a good reason. (laughs) That is actually... Somebody else said, with Listerine, anything is possible. See the Blarney store. Yeah. I'm just glad that someone is finally agreeing to lick someone as to do to be the the licker, not the licky. <laughs> finally. Then there was another comment. I would rather have everyone else lick my hand. It's going to be awkward, but all I have to do is wash it afterward. A lot of my colleagues at the library actually went with the licking option. They just didn't write it down. There were some actions. There was one of my coworkers said. It was actions. Okay. She acted it out. She said, yeah, I, I don't want people licking my hand. I would just go and be done. And that's it. I agree. I don't want a thousand people licking my hand. That's fucking gross. So I'm going to lick the one hand. And what I'm going to do, since we're showing fealty to our new pack master, I'm going to push everyone out of the way and be first in line. So I have a fresh lick. And also, they think that I'm real loyal. And then it's fine. Did the licking come before or after the fucking? Um, the licking came first, I think. Because that can change the response. I think the licking came first. Fucking was the isn't final it, bit. Isn't it all covered in, like, you know, Alcide's dad? possible but they're human he's in human form now he's still gonna be sweaty and licking with a hard dick because that's mentioned that just makes it even more awkward yeah i'm going to let my hand be licked but then i'm going to follow like the royalty thing i'm just going to put my hand out as far as i can stretch it away turn and be like "Mm, i don't care but I'm also going to have a bowl. I can just put my hand in. Mm-hmm. And then it's washed off. I don't care if that tastes horrible for the people licking my hand. I am not licking somebody's hand that's covered in dead gore ick and horrible sweat. And God knows what else. Because they've been padding around buck naked in a warehouse. A warehouse W-A-R-E? Or W-E-R-E. Both. <laughs> it's vile, it's nasty, it's disgusting. So I'm going to be like... <clears throat> Which does imply then that I've been the one that's been naked in the warehouse and done the fighting and covered in the right. the blood of thy enemies. Which I'm fine with. Keeps the skin youthful and sure. clear. Can I just... I just... I don't want everybody licking my hand. I feel like Can that's really gross. Can I go really for Chris Pie fives? 
air high fives even. Just thumbs up. Because Fist I mean, bumps. like elbow knocks. Uh, it's gross. A thousand times, not a thousand times. There's probably like what twenty wolves there. Yeah, but that's disgusting. real gross. And do you know what else? Your hand is gonna smell bad afterward. Can't get gingivitis from a mannequin, but you can get it from a lick. Um, I would have a chart, which would be like fist bump, high five, air five, elbow knock. That was the thing that was in the pandemic over here. Yeah. That you don't shake hands, you just kind of bump elbows. Yeah. You know? Butt squeeze? No. No butt no, squeezes? No. No. Or just a thumbs up. Yeah. And then I'd be like, right, this is your... This is how you pay a fealty to me right now. Or a collection box and you can just give it to me in cash. Mm. Okay. Yeah. No checks. Cash. Non-sequential bills. Here's my PayPal. All right, next question. Would you rather be shot in the arm or have your house set on fire? Shot in the arm cannot be asked to go through insurance company. No, I agree. Shoot me in the arm. Shoot it off. And then your premiums. And I'll get a robot Honestly, your premiums would go up so much. They really, really would. It's not your fault. The the insurance companies always penalise you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... It would feel like a bigger invasion of your personal space if it was your house. Yeah, and... And I know your arm's being shot, but still. Yeah, and... I mean, I know that medical bills in the United States cost an arm and a leg. (laughs) Uh, But I feel like it would take so much more time and effort to, you know, repair your house, buy a new house, buy all new stuff. Shoot me in the arm. Shoot me in the arm. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm there with you. As we're giving each other a crisp high five. And a butt squeeze. A butt squeeze. <laughs> Would you rather encounter a sniper who wants to shoot you, or a vampire that has to kill you, but doesn't necessarily want to? Um, I know that I just said shoot me in the arm, but I mean, I don't, I don't really want to be shot in the arm. So I guess I would, I would take the vampire in this case. It doesn't mean you get to hang out with Charles Twining for a little while. Yeah. And you know, maybe I can convince him, hey, don't kill me. Yeah. You don't really want to. So don't do it. Hey, hey. hey, Charles, do you know what would be really, really fun? You turn me into a vampire. Yeah. And then technically... Technically I'm dead. Me. Win-win. Win-win. Loophole. Nice. Is it secret question time? Or are we going to ask other questions? Because we had a shit ton of would you rather questions this time. I think we can go to the secret questions. Secret questions? Yeah. All right. 
<laughs> that was it. You asked for this. Would you rather be the fucker or the fucky at the Packmaster Challenge? I knew it. I knew you were going to ask that one. I knew it. <laughs> well, we've already established everybody's giving me fealty, so I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> Strap one on. Bend over. Think of queen and country. I'm your alpha, bitch. Literally, I'm your alpha, bitch. bitch. Uh-huh. I don't really have an answer to this question. I'm like, I'm not into this either way. So I guess uh, I, got to, I, gotta fu- I gotta be the fucker. You- I gotta be the fucker. Not the fucky. I gotta be the fucker. <laughs> Oh, do we do we just do this so we can ask these at Vampire Book Club and just like yes. lol back? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Cool. Just establishing this fact. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> okay, mine is not quite so fun. <sighs> Would you rather be the cook at Merlot's or the barman at Fantasia? Neither position offers good promotional prospects or job security, <laughs> life security. <laughs> Um, I just want to work at Fantasia. If I have, if I ever have the option, I want to be at Fantasia. I like Merlot's. I think it's a great place. But if I work at Fantasia, then chances are I am either going to be a vampire already, or I'm hanging out with Eric all day, and there's a possibility that I could become a vampire. So, Fantasia. I just want to be friends with Pam. You know, we didn't really talk about Pam much in this one. She was not... She, she wasn't, wasn't really in, in this one very much, which was unfortunate. But we did get Charles Twining, and he was a fair sub. Yes. I do like the fact that Pam doesn't know how to transfer the phone, so you actually hear the conversation through... As she's carrying as she the phone through. through the bar. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that she's just pissed off because she has to wear vampire stereotype clothes when she actually likes a twin set. She really loves her pastels. I love Pam. Me too. Okay, I'm going to be a barman at Fantasia as well because the cook at Merlot seems to have even less prospects of anything. Yeah. Yeah, and at least I could do some fancy, you know, Tom Cruise cocktail style sure. throwing of the drinks yeah, around. Sure, I actually have decent reactions to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's reasonable. Cool. All right, favorite final thoughts. Split shifts. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like most of mine are about libraries and books. Yeah. Is that? Is anyone shocked by that's... that? No, it's on brand. Yeah. I'm going to give you three. I've got quite a few, but I'm only going to give you three. Okay, okay. My bullshit meter is reading that as false. (laughs) Food that walked and talked. That was us. McPeople. (laughs) Soil and green. (laughs) Only group lack of imagination could account for people not wondering what went on in the dark. Around them. Ooh. Ooh. That's good. 
<laughs> what have you got? Sorry, I was just reading one of the other ones. It had the word dick in it, so I, I got it, distracted. I feel like I'm surprised that you didn't include that one in yours. I feel like you should go <sighs> ahead and share it. Okay. This was the trump card male bullies played. Always. I was sick of it. Sick of being scared of the boogeyman's dick. And do you know what? That is really apt for the, the times that we are in. Yes. Yes, it is. All right. Um, I've got a few. And they are mostly all book related. Here's one that does. It's not book related. Whoa. Believe me. If you're a woman who works in a bar, you can tell the difference between an evaluation and an eye fuck. And I feel like we could just cut out who works in a bar. Yeah. We can just cut that part out. Yeah. Take the books. I don't want to get blood on the books. I'll have to pay for them. <laughs> oh, Suki. No, bless her. Fiction makes it all more interesting. Truth is so boring. Yes. Yes. And then I think... I felt like I'd been reading a book only to discover that someone had ripped a few pages from the middle. <sighs> I love how... How often? How often does that happen? My goodness. I know. But see, now it's happening. All of... All of the book stuff is happening, and she's going to the library, and it's really, really good. <laughs> All right. Oh, if you liked this, try this. What are you suggesting? In Deeper Waters by F.T. Lukens. There are no vampires, but there are pirates. Perfect. We are scheduled to cover this in September for book club theme. Yo ho ho, hoy mateys! Very good. Um, you may have a guest with us. And the summary is from Goodreads. Prince Tal has long awaited his coming of age tour. After spending most of his life cloistered behind palace walls, as he learns to keep his forbidden magic secret, he can finally see his family's kingdom for the first time. His first taste of adventure comes just two days into the journey when their crew discovers a mysterious prisoner on a burning derelict vessel. Tasked with watching over the prisoner, Tal is surprised to feel an intense connection with the roguish Athlan. So when Athlan leaps overboard and disappears, Tal feels responsible and heartbroken, knowing Athlan could not have survived in the open ocean. That is, until Tal runs into Athlan days later on dry land, very much alive and as charming and secretive as ever. But before they can pursue anything further, Tal is kidnapped by pirates and held ransom in a plot to reveal his rumoured powers and instigate a war. Tal must escape if he hopes to save his family and the kingdom, and Athlan might just be his only hope. Dot, dot, dot. I'm very excited to read this. I have had it on my e-reader for over a year now. <laughs> What book do you have? I didn't go pirates, although it was a thought. Mm -hmm. I went werewolves. Just as good. Yes. And I selected Lycanthropy and Other Chronic Illnesses by Kristen O'Neill. And I want to tell you why I picked this one. At my library... 
This is not me. This is not my book club. But we have a book club called Adultish Book Club, and it's YA books for adults. And Kristen O'Neill is going to do a virtual author visit next month or maybe next week. I can't remember, but it's happening, and they're talking about this book. So this book has been floating around my library a lot lately. Nice. So, lycanthropy and other chronic illnesses. I got this summary from Goodreads. Priya worked hard to pursue her pre-med dreams at Stanford, but the fallout from undiagnosed Lyme disease sends her back to her childhood home in New Jersey during her sophomore year and leaves her wondering if she'll ever be able to return to the way things were. Thankfully, she has her online pen pal, Bridget, and the rest of the members of Oof, Ouch, My Bones! a virtual support group that meets on Discord to crack jokes and vent about their own chronic illnesses. <laughs> Don't you just want to be in this group? Yes. <laughs> when Bridget suddenly goes offline, Priya does something out of character. She steals the family car and drives to Pennsylvania to check on Bridget. Priya isn't sure what to expect, but it isn't the horrifying creature that's shut in the basement. With Bridget nowhere to be found, Priya begins to puzzle together an impossible but obvious truth. The creature might be a werewolf, and the werewolf might be Bridget. As Bridget's unique condition worsens, their friendship will be deepened and challenged in unexpected ways, forcing them to reckon with their own ideas of what it means to be normal. Oof. Ouch. My bones. <laughs> oh, that sounds delightful. <laughs> oh, really, it's so hot. Anywho. I thought you'd do enjoy we it. Have an indie do we have an indie spotlight this week? We do. And there's only the most tenuous of tenuous, tenuous Perfect. links. This is what we want in an indie spotlight. I don't want actual mm. relating to no. our discussion. No. So this one's called Deadly Setup by Lynn Slaughter. When her impulsive romance-writing mom announces her engagement to a man whose last heiress wife died under suspicious circumstances, Sam tries to dissuade her mother. But her mom is convinced she'll finally have the happily ever after she writes about. And then Sam's life implodes. Her mom's fiancé turns up dead. And a mountain of circumstantial evidence points to Sam as the killer. On trial for murder, she fights to prove her innocence with the help of her boyfriend's dad, an ex-homicide cop. Wrongfully accused murder accusations even though Sookie did kill Debbie that's what I was going with like everyone thinks she's involved with it and even though she was like that's yeah or oh, the shooting where Andy and Dearborn just want to shoot her and get her over and done with yeah. it's like really yeah yeah Dude. and also the character's name is Sam which I didn't so it's, even... It is hashtag the tenuous of tenuous lines. I didn't even realize yeah. that while I was reading it. <laughs> we have a character with the same name as another character. Ooh. 
Very Oops. tenuous. <laughs> Linked. What? Okay. Oh my god. That's it. <laughs> no more. <laughs> that is it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. I'm Claire. Join us next time as we move into a new month with a new theme. The Spiteful Baker. And we discuss... Our first book that fits the theme, Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictional hangover. So you can watch this episode because it's there and you can see it. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover.com. No ER. If you'd like this episode, check out our others and rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>